Radio Mano Papachango. episode is uh, with a guy named Sol Sebastian, S-O-L, Sebastian. Met him at a party here in Topanga, and um, I liked his energy, liked his vibe. We had, uh, you know, one of those conversations where you can see that uh, this guy isn't going to get shocked or thrown off balance by anything I say, which tends to happen with people who don't know me. I'll, you know, throw out some weird inappropriate comment about sexuality or gender or the state of the world or, you know, you know the kind of shit that I would come out with at a party. But, uh, you know, for the unsuspecting citizens of the world, civilians out there, uh, it can knock them on their heels a little bit. And this guy uh, was just rolled right with it. And, and we uh, got along really well. And and uh, I thought he would be an interesting guest because to be totally honest with you. And I, I think I say this in the, in our conversation, it's been a while. Uh, this one's sort of been sitting in, in, in the archives for a while because, or not the archives, but in the pipeline, um, because Sol initially asked me to, to hold it for a while because he was working on a website. So I was holding it. And then he contacted me several weeks down the road and he was like, Hey, I think that websites, I don't know if it was done or he's not doing it. I don't remember what the story was, but, uh, he was like, go ahead and release it when you're ready. But by then I had already moved on to other ones. And so it sort of, I forgot about it and it sat there. And anyway, so uh, my point is that I met this guy who described himself as a men's coach, something like that. He worked with men's groups. And my first reaction to that tends to be skepticism, wariness, I may even scowl a little bit, uh, which is a strange response because um, it's very clear to me that there's a need for figures who can provide some sort of intelligent, conscious guidance for men in Western culture. Uh, the fractured nuclear family social model has left so many boys and men without, um, without a male figure who can really show them how to do this. And, um, I see that in my emails. I've become that kind of figure, uh, to a lot of young men. I get a lot of emails from uh, young men saying, hey, you're like the dad I never had. You're like the cool uncle I never had. You're like the teacher I wish I'd had. And, and I am very gratified and touched by those letters. But I'm also saddened by the sheer volume of them and the fact that um, so many young men don't know what to do and don't know how to how to deal with women, how to plan their lives, how to think about work, how to 
balance their own sense of dignity and, um, you know, their very real organic ambitions for themselves with taking care of other people and responsibilities they have. And of course, these aren't necessarily questions that have answers. They're more um, conundrums uh, to be managed. But in any case, there's a real need for, for people who are doing that. Um, and yet, maybe because there's such a need for it, I feel wary of people who present themselves as that kind of role model, as someone who has the answers or knows how to, you know, who guide you through this uh, path into manhood for a price. Because I think there are a lot of shysters. There are a lot of people taking advantage of the of the true, the real hunger and the real need. But of course there is a hunger and a need. So, you know, you have to balance that. So I guess the, the point of this long circular story is I met this guy, Saul, and, uh, you know, he presented himself as someone who does this for a living. And yet my bullshit detector alarm bells weren't going off. He seems like an authentic guy, um, really trying to, bring value into people's lives. And so I thought, well, it'd be interesting to to go deeper with him and hear what he has to say and, and learn a little bit about what that kind of world is like, uh, at least his take on it. And, um, yeah, I was, uh, I was, I was glad I did. He's an interesting cat and he does uh, interesting stuff. He takes groups of men to Africa and they camp out in the, in the bush, uh, and I guess everybody has to sign a release saying, I know it's possible I'll be eaten by a lion, <laughs> you know. And so it's, uh, it's pretty real. So that's cool. Um, so I hope you enjoy this. Soul Sebastian and uh, the web page where you can uh, read more about what he's doing is newalpha.men. Now he, at the end of the, our conversation, he... Um, gives another website, but it leads to the same place. So you can either jot this down now or wait until the end uh, when he gives another URL, but they both lead to the same webpage, newalpha.men. All right. I guess that's about it. I'm not really going to yammer on too much this week. Uh, I've got a lot going on. Casilda is in LA with me right now. She's about to leave for Iquitos, Peru, where she's going to be um, investigating traditional healing practices of the Shipibo people uh, and trying to find a way to integrate some of the non-traditional healing practices that... Uh, are used in the Amazon, particularly with her medical training. And what she wants, she's pretty much done with conventional medicine. She um, has been doing that for 20 years or so, as both as a straight-up physician and as a psychiatrist. Um, and as far as psychiatry goes, she's sort of reached the end of the road and feels uh, that she's tired of applying patches to people's troubles, um, you know, bandages rather than really addressing the underlying cause of things. So 
she's uh, come to a turning point in her life and is on her way to Peru to investigate some other ways forward. And then I guess the plan is at some point to work as uh, on-site physician at one of the um, centers that have sprung up all over Latin America, particularly that um, integrate um, Western and not, you know uh, non-allopathic medicine, let's say. So that's where that's where she is. Very exciting time in her life. Um, I'm sure you'll all send her some positive energy. I'll probably be flying down to Peru at some point this winter and uh, talking to some people down there and, and meeting the people that she'll be uh, working with and, and getting to know. And I'll be sure to record a podcast with her. And uh, she'll tell you her story herself. So that's an exciting thing that's going on. And then I'll just remind you, those of you who may have missed the last few episodes, that Tangentially Reading, our community-created podcast book, is ready to go. We're taking um, pre-orders. And uh, if you just Google Tangentially Reading or go to tangentiallyreading.com, it'll take you to the pre-order page. You can also see it on my website, chrisryanphd.com. You'll see the the ad on the right banner there. Also, tangentiallyspeaking.com. They all take you to the same place. All roads lead to the same mountaintop. Um, Anyway, if you are interested in getting a copy or several copies to give as gifts, um, please order now because your pre-order money helps with the cash flow so then we can order a greater volume and get a lower cost and you know how it all works. So uh, if you are interested in getting a copy of this, which is going to be a beautiful book, it's uh, the art is, as I said, is done by uh, a podcast listener, um, Adam McDade, and the editing has been done by you folks. The transcriptions have been done by tangentially speaking listeners, the entire project from beginning to end has been a community project and so it's a a really beautiful thing uh physically it's going to be a beautiful book to hold in your hands but it's also a beautiful thing conceptually uh how a community of people can come together and create something and uh i just i'm so happy to be involved in this and so happy to see how it's how it's moving along and uh it's just it's an example of how human beings can do things together that aren't bullshit that aren't servile to some greater corporate interest and that aren't destroying the fucking planet and aren't exploiting one another and all that so i'm glad uh to be involved in that and i hope you'll get involved in it by pre-ordering a copy or 10 or whatever you can afford and and want to give away this christmas or whatever so thanks I'm going to shut the fuck up now. This at least, (laughs) you'll still be hearing me, but I will have shut the fuck up. Uh, Hope you enjoy this conversation with Soul Sebastian, and I'll uh, catch up with you shortly. I'm going to play you out with a tune called Calicom, K-A-L-I-C-O-M, and it's by a musician from Benin by the name of Julian Jacob can find the links as always at my site tangentiallyspeaking.com hope you enjoy this take care mm-hmm. 
I'm here with uh, Sol Sebastian in Topanga, California, a local. A local Topanga, right? Yeah, yeah. We're, I've been, <laughs> we're neighbors. <laughs> we're neighbors. <laughs> it's funny. Yeah, so, uh, so I'll, I'll do an intro separately, so you know, we right. don't need to do that now. But you and I were, last night we were talking at the party, and um, 
you know, I met you, what, a couple of weeks ago, a month ago? I don't remember. Yeah, a month ago. Was, yeah. Yeah, and, uh, and at the time I thought, well, that's a cool guy, you know, and I knew you did some kind of coaching or something, or I thought you were a yoga teacher or something because you have really good posture. <laughs> <laughs> that's just my rooster nature that likes to strut around. Yeah, anytime I see someone with good posture, I assume they're a yoga teacher or a ballet dancer, uh, and you didn't look like a ballet dancer. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Um, but so what is your thing? You're a men's coach, is that what you call yourself? Yeah, look, uh, the fancy name I have for myself now is a men's genius catalyst. Oh, men's genius catalyst. Yeah, and, and you know, as fancy as that sounds, that, that is actually very true to what I do. It's, it's, right. it's, 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 it's very descriptive of what I do and what, what, what I stand for with my, the men's work I do. <clears throat> um, you know, I've been involved with working with men for, for almost 20 years. I, I started out doing a lot of um, Eastern practices, Qigong yoga practices, right. martial arts, some internal practices, sort of. Um, so that's your whole adult life. You can't be older than 40. I'm older. 47. Oh, well, yeah. it's that posture. <laughs> it's the posture. posture throws me off, man. <laughs> Get, and, um, get a slump. Look at your age, man. Uh, i got, I got, I got to get my belly and my slump going. <laughs> exactly. I know I've got to catch up. You know. Exactly. <laughs> um, but look, uh, the reason I call myself a men's genius catalyst is because after all the different stages of, of work I've done with men, um, I've come to a place where what I'm interested in is not, you know, the, the let's say the the blunt axe sort of male sort of like let's smash and you know like real hyper sort of chest beating sort of right. like motivational style men's work I'm just I've been through it I've done it I don't see a lot of consistency on the back end with that work what I what I'm about is <clears throat> showing men what their the, the, the full the full architecture of their conditioning Social conditioning. Yeah, the social conditioning. Right. The full arc, like actually look at it, the definitive shape and structure of their conditioning on one hand, and then on the other hand, show them <clears throat> their native, what I call their native genius or their native essential genius, that which they do so effortless, effortlessly, so, so naturally and so unconditionally that they don't even know they're doing it. Right. <laughs> And it's amazing what comes out when, when, when you actually... So is that, would you that. call that the, their animal yeah, essence? Is well, no, this is, this is it. This is, it, it gets a little semantic after a while. Yeah. I, I can go into that in a, in a sec. Um, but let's just say it's the aspect of them which is connected to all things, you know, just sound a little flaky here, the, the part of them that's connected to all things in time and space and, and references itself from, from a place outside of their compensating strategies outside of things they feel like they need to do to be a man or need to be cool or liked mm. or accepted. Right. So I present them with those two options. I say, look, here, here's what you've been, here's the structure, structure A, you've been running all your life, you know, that you, you convince you need to be before you can be valid in the world. And here's structure B, which is, has no concern with that whatsoever it's not concerned with trying to compensate for anything that you lack in right. fact you're whole you're operating from a place of wholeness 
And <clears throat> what you do from that place so naturally and unconditionally is your native genius. Let's look at what that, and let's take that fairly abstract notion into something very concrete. Right. And look at how you can make that manifest in your world and change the way you do life. And so what's a concrete example of, of that? Well, a concrete example, I'll, I'll give one, one of my clients is, uh, He's a, uh, a guy who's basically running around the world, you know, like escaping reality. He's someone who just doesn't want to sit still. Mm. And he's reacting because he's, he's trying to get away. He's, his whole life orientation is to, is to get away from stuff, is to not address current reality. Right. And, and, and that has its own story. I won't go into that too deeply. but. But, but part of what he does to resolve that is he's always traveling, he's always in this chaos. Right. And he thinks he's cool, and he think, everyone thinks he's cool because he's traveling a lot and getting out there, but he fucking hates it. Huh. He's, actually, he's actually very frustrated by it. He's, right. he's never able to engage his power. <clears throat> so um, after working with me, what become evident is that this guy is a, his genius is in, uh, as a, is in mediation and as a diplomat. He's like a natural, he's like a natural diplomat. He's, his essence, the way he runs essentially, naturally, is very uh, conducive to being an amazing diplomat, amazing mediator, amazing per, a, a person who can really see the total structures of things, the way he sees things, the way he, the way he uh, interacts with things. He's very He's got, he's got a sight, he's got a vision that other people don't have. Right. And, and once he recognizes that, and I take him through these, this work so he can, can see it, it's not just me telling him, he gets to see it and understand it himself from his mm. own perspective. He goes, fuck, I've never known that about myself. So that's his essential genius that, that the work's trying to uncover. In him. Yeah. Right. And it's yeah. covered by all this chaos he's creating because of whatever trauma from his childhood. Yeah. Or, fear of intimacy or whatever it is stuff like that yeah, yeah, yeah. this is one of many examples I could right. I could name I could sit here and all for all day with you and tell you different example after example after example right. of, of different men who have radically different specializations radically okay. different expressions of so that's genius. what I wanted to get at whether whether this thing that this genius that you're talking about this sort of natural proclivity in men was something that was uh, specific and different for each man, or yes. if it was sort of a universal thing that that all men share somehow. Yeah. Well, yes and yes. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yes and yes. Um, generically speaking, you know, man, man's nature is to expand. You know, man's nature is to expand. To develop. To Are we talking develop. about a beer gut here? What do you mean? We're expand? talking about yeah. We will. I've been expanding the last yeah. ten or fifteen years for sure. Yeah, like some things shrink, some things expand. <laughs> it depends what perspective you're coming. <laughs> Ego, <laughs> testicles. What, what are we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> what is it expand? <laughs> A really good point, man. So, what is it that ex what's what's expanding well, look, if, let, let, if man's nature is to expand? And by man, we're talking about specifically the masculine yeah. 
Yeah. Well, let me finish what I was saying uh, to give you to answer that question. Yeah. Um, is man's generic nature is a little hard to articulate in, in a very specific way. Um, but yet, the individual, the, the, the essential nature of each, each man has a very specific vibration, a very specific frequency. If they just go around going, oh, here's what it is to be a man, in a generic sense, they're completely at the mercy of the latest social mandate, the latest brand mandate, the latest corporate mandate, right. whatever it is that's in vogue, coming from women, the new age movement, the modern men's movement, whatever that looks like. He's right. very at the mercy of that that mask, what right. it looks like to be a man. Right. It's all about your abs, <clears throat> it's about your whatever. fucking tats, yeah, it's yeah. about it's your motorcycle, it, your car. Yeah, or how you how much you can please the goddess. Right. Or how right. how good you can lick pussy, how good you can fuck, how good you can make money, how you good you can show up. I mean right. be present. All these very sort of very branded sort of labels we have around masculinity now. Right. Um, and yet the individual genius is lost in that. Mm. His sense of what he's specifically good at, what he's here to, what, what he just does so naturally and so effortlessly that, that if you actually consciously like create a life around that, he would have more love and health and wealth and connection and, right. and, so, and like he'd just be, he'd be a, he'd be a rocking dude in, in the true sense of the word. Yeah. So many people are. So many young men, you and I talked about this last night at the yeah. party, so many young men are desperately seeking a way to be men. And what you just said, you know, really keys into this, that unfortunately, because they grow up in this consumer culture where we, you know, we're taught to like choose your identity from, you know, these, these <laughs> options, right? Take yeah. your identity off the rack, yeah, yeah, you know? Yeah. You could be a cowboy, you can be, you know, a queen, you can be a fucking tough guy, you can, you know, there are all these identities yeah. and just pick one rather than looking, turning and looking at your body and saying, okay, wait, what am I? <laughs> Before I pick what I'm going to dress up as, yeah, yeah. what am I actually, yeah. you know? And... Yeah, that's that's the the essential step that gets skipped, and that's the yeah. one step you can't skip. Yeah, you know, is know yourself. Mm. Who is it? Socrates. Know thy. Yeah, know or, or Shakespeare. You know, to thy know itself be true. Yeah, and it follows as the night does the day. Thou canst not be false to any man. Yeah, right? that's Laertes yeah. giving uh, advice yeah. to Hamlet. I think. I mean, yeah, the old wisdom and the old Western wisdom. You know, like some. Some amazing stuff there. Yeah. So you're, so you're, but, and this, this, I know I'm interrupting you and I want you to finish your thought, but, but I want to just interject at the beginning of this mm -hmm. before listeners start to think that, oh, this is just another one of these guys, you know, peddling some sort of hokum. The reason I wanted to have you on is that you're, you know, as we were talking about last night, I'm very sort of sensitive to bullshit. And, yeah. <laughs> and there's a lot of bullshit in mm -hmm. the, the world that you're operating mm -hmm. in. Absolutely. And the reason I wanted to have you on is that you're, you're hip to that. And, you know, that's something that you talked about before I brought it up. And I don't want you to badmouth anyone else, obviously, you know, in your, you know, your colleagues and stuff. But there's, 
you know, it's it's unregulated. There's no not that psychologists or psychiatrists mm-hmm. are any better than anyone else, yeah. certainly. But in this sort of self-help world, yeah. There's so much hunger. There's such a desperate market. Mm. It attracts a lot of fucking charlatans. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I, I include PhD psychologists mm, yeah. right in there with everyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, the, so, medical, the medical establishment. Sure. Yeah. Everybody. So I just want to get that out. Yeah. You know, that, oh, look, that as far as I'm concerned, you're not full of shit. So people mm-hmm. who are listening to this, if they're like, oh, men's coach, fuck that. I hope they'll stick around and listen yeah. to the rest of this. Well, this is, this is yeah, thanks for raising that because I, I do have an allergy to the majority of the men's movement as it stands so so it, it's always hard for me to go fuck i'm working in in the men's movement <laughs> that's a little bit ironic you know and, yeah and so you know so i have to get i have to suspend um the notion of, of trying to be a broad sort of marketing guy and just just trust that people get what i'm about and, and just sort of just speak my truth and hope hope that people sort of understand what i'm what i'm about without having to resort to some you know very broad branding sort of uh, yeah. vehicle um what i know what, what i see today and i'm going to give a i'm going to give a very brief history of time and the way i see it is what's what's going on for men is that you know before you know back back in back in the day you know the first thing that was created to subjugate man's ability to know himself was you know we, we all heard the religious the rave around religion and faith and the Abra- the abrahamic schools which basically um caused fundamentally what what they did was give men uh an orientation that was basically give over your responsibility to, of your life Mm. to this thing called God, this, mm. this entity out there somewhere. Right. So you could say a lot about religion. You could say a lot about faith and all the Abrahamic religions and all the books that were, there, you know, that were written to guide men. Mm. But fundamentally, what has happened on a deep fundamental level is that the, what, they've in, what they've taught us to do as men and as people as, as, as in, inherently, but especially men, is hand over responsibility for your life. Hand it over to something out there, mm-hmm. right? So Sacrifice. Yeah. Take one for the team. Well, they're, yeah, but, but, but just on, on, on an existential level, let's say, yeah. an existential accountability is handed over. It's not, you're not taught as a man in, in the face to go, you create your world that the, your experience of the world is something you create. Mm. That, it's, that what you see and feel is happening to you isn't actually happening to you. It's, it's, it's your, it's what you create, what you project. You're not taught that in faith. Yeah. You're taught that you're very much a, 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 just an empty vehicle to be filled up with something. And you hand over responsibility to something, God, or, and, and of course that's taken advantage of in, in numerous ways. So that's, you know, just a very brief overlook of, of where it's all gone wrong. Mm. That's the first place where man has given away his idea of who he is mm. and what he's, power, what he's capable of. Because it's now in the hands of something bigger. Right. God, whatever. Right. Second, the second thing is the state. 
So move along in time, you've got industrialization, you've got agriculture, industrialization. Now you've got where, where, where man's have moved, man has moved away from the family, now he's, now he's basically held by the state. And, and the kids, the young men that are growing up, their new father is the state. You know, this is very broad, I'm talking very broad here. So the, the, the child is now growing up and, and you know, his mother is, is taking on both masculine and, and feminine roles, bringing him up. Um, but the true father now is the state. Yeah, the state is, is actually the guy. The state is the thing that, that determines your, your outcome. So your responsibility is now in the hands of the state. That you're not actually responsible for your, the way you see the world. You've got to follow what the state mandates. Mm -hmm. All right. That's number two. Moving on now. And, and you know, a lot of men have come to terms with that and, and, and have gone, you know, we aren't the state. We aren't. Our world isn't determined by the state as much as they like to beat their chest and tell us how powerless we are, we're actually sort of hip to that now. For the, for, you know, for the most part, a lot of us, a lot of men are going, hey, hang on a minute, especially now, we're hip to the state. You know, we're, we're, we're not like, we, we're not buying that shit anymore. The sort of patriotic yeah. jingoism. Yeah, the, right. the, the 50s War style. is always justified. Yeah. And, you know, it was at its yeah. peak in its 50s and, yeah. you know, and then at 60s we smashed it and then we're still being trying to figure State it out. State and, and the corporation, right? Well, this is the next thing. Oh, okay. So yeah. now we've, we've sort of overcome state, but now we've got a new, right. now we've got a new um, orientation. Right, you're identified by your work. The, the new orientation that keeps us separate from who we truly are, and that is the brand. Right the brand so that could be who you're working for i work for apple i'm so cool or it could be oh, what you, you purchase what you purchase who yeah. you work for who you, who you subconsciously are uh, sub perceptually sort of like driven by right you know first we have religion got over that one this we had state we got hip to that now we're deeply immersed in brand consciousness right we're like right we're so immersed in it that our identity is so wrapped up in Every fucking logo and brand we, we have on our, all around us is, I could probably sit here and name a hundred brands. <laughs> yeah, that we could just look that, around the room. That and makes up who we feel we are, who we identify with. So instead of identifying with a tree or a mountain or a lake or the sun, right. we're identified with brands. That's, right. that's our orientation. So we're even more further removed from this native, right. this native state of who we are as men, you know, like where we're filtered through these brands so anyway that's that's the short story dude that's like me raving on about you know i could i could drill into one, all those in a very deep vertical level but like that's so what we're up against so it's a progression now to go back to the beginning you start with um religion and uh, sort of organized religion pulling uh men away from a more essential orientation. So before that, you would have a tribal orientation. You would have uh, men in hunter-gatherer groups being associated. I'm responsible for these people that I know, these people mm. I love, that we share our food, we take care of one, all the kids together. Uh, you know, we if we're mm. starving, we're all starving together. If there's no mine and yours, it's all ours. So mm. that's the essential sort of. You know, that's my gig is the pre-religion, right. pre-agriculture yeah, yeah, right, kind of right. world. That still is, is, is in us, you know. Yeah, well, that's it. We're, we're, we are those, <laughs> those people still. Yeah, we're just thrust yeah. into this weird mm. um, 
this weird world that's that's been created. But mm. so I see what you're saying. There's so the trajectory is away from the local and the human mm. toward some sort of increase. You know, it moved from a local village or or mm. a tribal group that's nomadic, so there wasn't even a village yeah. to uh, institution, a religious institution, then to a state institution, then to the sort of global corporate identities. Right. Yeah. So it's getting more and more abstract, less and less human, mm. less localized, less intimate where you're looking in to someone's eyes and I'm associated yeah. with you because yeah, yeah. your kid is my cousin and yeah. that kind of thing. So, <laughs> so it's, we're, we're just getting dispersed, like vaporized, you know, aerosolized <laughs> into <laughs> tiny particles, uh, you know, that just, yeah. so, so where, where's the men's thing? It's that right. men are like, a loss of identity because of yeah. this this increasingly well, abstract sense here's here's the next thing after i've given you that framework of those three let's call them the three entities of stealing our stealing our soul you know, and all this sort of stuff those things aren't real right they are us right those things aren't out there those things are driven by man's terror of the unknown Mm. Those things are driven by this inexhaustible need to f have some orientation in the mystery of life, in this chaos we call, like we're sitting on this rock. We look out the door, it's very peaceful out there right now, but we're hurtling through space mm. at whatever thousand miles an hour, spinning around like, like this thing called this, this universe hurtling around in this total unknowable context. We, we have no context for it other than what we see through a telescope. Right. We have no real context for it. And we know that deep down. We're terrified of the unknown. We cling to orientation like, it's, like we're sucking at a breast. Religion, state, brand, we create those things. We create those things because we're terrified of being connected with the chaos of nature, the chaos of the unknown, the, the mystery of who we are, you know, unshackled from our identity. Yeah. So these things are just a manifestation of our identity. And the, the beauty of those things, the, the sort of deceptive beauty of those things, is that they don't die. Right? You think about it. State, religion, branding, they're, they're in immortal because they're not alive. Right. And so, you know, I feel like this thing I'm working on, Civilized to Death, I feel yeah. like civilization, which is a, mm. a, a collection of those things, of religion yeah. and state mm -hmm. and, and corporation, and, you know, mm -hmm. I just throw it all together and call it civilization. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's generated sort of in parallel to what you're saying. I, I argue it's generated by a deflected fear of death. So we yeah. create these things that don't die, and then we associate ourselves with them ah, as a right. panicked attempt mm. to not confront the reality of our own organic nature. And, yeah. you know, you know, all these religions, Same like, oh, you're an eternal way. soul. Oh, yeah. I'm an eternal soul. Then I won't die. I'm yeah. eternal. Thank yeah. God. Your body's just this dirty animal thing, but you're so much more than that. You're this other. Oh, great. You know, right. there's my get out of jail free card, right. you know? Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's really, I mean, you're basically saying, 
the same it's just a different way of saying the same thing in a sense. Yeah, and, yeah. and this this whole idea that you know that that this is just a we're in sin and, and we're being in the flesh is just in, in a, a prison and that it's all going to it's all going to be cool once we're out there you know once once we're out there and that was the that was the mind job that we had placed on us originally you know yeah. through, through through the abrahamic faiths and 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 we still hold that like it is you're right it is still alive and it's 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 a cellular orientation that we're still rallying against whether we whether we consciously and intellectually sort of understand it or not but still in our we still have uh you know fear in us we still have we still have anxiety in us yeah born from the, that 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 yeah. that that separation you know and the idea that we can do without it is as silly as thinking we can do without vitamin d you know it's like i get this all the time people say well but yeah but we're adapted to the modern world now we we don't need these things that you know you're always talking like we're cavemen and blah, blah, blah. it's like dude just because you live in a fucking shopping mall doesn't mean <laughs> your body doesn't need vitamin d anymore right, right. just because you've got a big screen yeah. tv doesn't mean your body doesn't need to move Right. You know, like yeah. you can fucking lie to yourself and say, oh, I'm a I'm adapted to, you know, coke right. and fucking corn chips all day and watching <laughs> goddamn The Bachelor or whatever. But your <laughs> but your body's still going to die. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, yeah. you're going to suffer. You're going to get sick. You're going to. Yeah. So this idea that we're adapted to the modern world is clearly not true. Right. You know, and well, we're, we're, yeah. And all these kids, all these depressed, suicidal kids. Like, obviously, there's something missing. Yeah. So how does this relate to... Because we're we're getting very abstract here, and we're sort of talking in universalities, but but the nature of your work and the nature of, of, I guess, how you've been living your life for 20 years or something Mm. is very concrete and very specific, right? I mean, you're looking at guys who are trying to figure out how to be guys and the culture's not teaching them because the culture is feeding them all this mm. you know go buy this and subscribe to this magazine yeah. and yeah. you know men's health isn't going to teach you how to be a man no. so there there are all these men who are like Absolutely. searching yeah absolutely <laughs> exactly <laughs> Uh, and you know their fathers don't know because yeah. you know often their grandfather or their father was yeah. this distant you know freaked yeah. out dude who didn't have any answers either. Yeah. So there's a sort of discontinuity in. Mm. I don't know if women. I, I I might be full of shit here, and you know women will let me know if I am. But it feels like like the the line from mother to daughter is less disrupted in a way you know because because women value intimacy Mm. women value emotion they value sharing they value Mm. vulnerability whereas with men all this is all this you know accentuating Mm. strength and independence and individuality and those very fragmenting kind of concepts Mm. and there's a lot of absence of intimacy between fathers and sons i think yeah well look it's 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 you're correct in saying that that Generally speaking, daughters had more times with their mothers throughout, yeah. throughout this, this, these great shifts in, in, in social um, structures. Um, but it's both the sons and the daughters who, who have missed out on, on the, the father going away and becoming... Mm. And, and, and becoming, and it's the daughters and the sons that, that have missed out 
on the absence. The absent father, and, and, yeah. And, and, the, and the church becoming the new father, the state becoming right, the new father, the brand right. becoming the new father. Right. The new sense of orientation. Because because here's what the father's role is. And the, the minds had this down perfectly. The, fa- the, the, the father's role is to take the... Sorry, the mother's role is to give the child an innate sense that they belong. Mm. And, and that happens limbically. Like that the limbic system, the way the limbic system works, if the, the child is, is, is taken to the, the, the mother's womb, uh, chest, the breast, and instantly there's a limbic connection. Mm. Their nervous system, the way they breathe, the way they shit, the way they eat, the way they piss, right. is all calibrated by the, the mother's nervous system. Right. That's the scientific way of saying the mother orientates the child right. in how to operate. Right. In, in, in sort of how, in, in that they belong. Right. And that this is, now they belong to their body. Right. They belong to the earth. You are part of this. You are part of this. Yeah. And you are part of it. And, and, and the child sees the mother as earth. The, right. The, the, the child doesn't distinguish the mother as a separate being. It's just the child distinguishes. The mother to the child is, is the world. Yeah. And slowly that expands as, as a person grows up to what we call the universal mother, which is a hermetic idea, basically. We don't separate from the mother, we just, the, the notion of mother becomes bigger and bigger and bigger. Right. That's a healthy way of right. relationship with the mother. So the father's role is to take that child to the top of the highest mountain. So he takes him out of the valley, which is the, the valley is where the mother is. He, the father takes the child out of the valley, climbs up to the highest mountain and goes, hey dude, or dudette, here's how the world is. Hmm. Check out here. There's another valley over there, and there's another valley, and there's another mountain, and there's another mountain. I'm going to empower you with everything I know so that you can go and find other mountains and find other valleys, mm. you know, and spread our seed, you know, <laughs> spread, our, spread our tribe, you know, like that was the father's role. It was to orientate, but not only to orientate, but also to recognize the child and give that sense, that child a sense, a sense of separation. Mm a sense that you're actually separate from the mother now. I've taken you out of the valley. I've separated you from, from the mother. I've taken you to the top of the mountain. Now you can see yourself in relationship to the mother, mm-hmm. that you're not the mother, you're in, you're in a relationship now. But not only with that valley, now you can see all these other valleys. And so the, the father's role is to give that, that child a sense of, of, of sovereignty, of distinction. And they see it and they look in their eyes and they go, I recognize you. And that child has that father seeing them in their eyes and something wakes up and they go, fuck, I'm actually okay. I can, I can leave the valley. I can go out and expand now. Right. And if that role isn't there, that, if that orientation isn't there, that child is continually going to be stuck in the valley, mm. seeking and just completely... And the mother's not only the mother's going to be completely identified with 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 her role. Yeah. The the son or the daughter is going to be completely swamped in the in the valley. They're not going to see the light of day. Mm-hmm. And and instead of being taken to the mountain to see the world as it is, they're going to have a church come in. They're going to have a state come in. They're going to have the brand come in. And say, you stay in the valley. We we got we we like you being in the valley. We like you staying there. We'll show you how the world is. We'll filter the world for you. We'll give you a filter for how, how the world is. You can see it through our eyes. But just stay in the valley. Right. 
And so we don't yearn to go to the mountain It's an interesting way to look at it. Yeah, the mountain is, as you're describing it, the way I'm visualizing it for myself is the trip to the mountaintop is learning to question the premise. Yeah. Right? It's learning to think for yourself. It's because the mother is unconditional love, the way you're describing it. The mother's like, hey, you're the best. You're the king. I love Mm -hmm. you. You're you're my little man. You're the blah, blah, blah. It's Mm -hmm. this unconditional nurturing love, which is wonderful and and essential, especially Mm -hmm. in early stages of development. Mm -hmm. But then part of the process of maturation has to be some tension between the maternal and the paternal, Mm -hmm. which is a healthy part of any, you know, Mm -hmm. dynamic family dynamic where the father's like, yeah, okay. Your mother loves you. You're great. But you know what? You and I are going to go do something that's kind of dangerous. Don't tell your mother. And (laughs) you know, and if you fuck up, like, okay, I'm going to, you fucked up kid, you know, but we're going to go out Mm -hmm. and whether it's, we're going to go hunting Mm -hmm. or we're going to go, you know, ride motorcycles or, you know, you're going to come with me to my poker game and, you know, where people are going to talk the way we fucking talk and we're not going to watch our language because there's a kid around and you're going to get a little taste of what it is to grow up and be uh, a man in this world. Mm -hmm. And that's a beautiful experience for little boys. It's Mm. so essential. Mm. And what you're saying is when that's missing Mm. and you get these artificial replacements you never mm-hmm. get that separation from mother. And so you get this, these generations of mama's boys mm-hmm. who expect the world to conform to them, mm-hmm. expect everyone to love them unconditionally. And then they're completely surprised when they get out in the world and, you know, they get fired when they're late for work three times in a row. Like, wow, mm-hmm. how can you fire me? I'm, you know, mm-hmm. I see this all around. These, yeah. these people who... You know, I I got in a lot of trouble on the podcast once because I I was in a bad mood and I decided to do a a podcast where I read some of the dumbass emails that I get from people. And, (laughs) And I was like, and the point was just to say, like, look. You know, you're writing to someone trying to get their attention, right? right? This is someone who's super busy and gets a hundred emails a day and you're, and like, this isn't how you do it. Right. Right, right. You know, and I got all this shit from people and you know, but, but my point was like, nobody ever taught you how to talk to someone 20 years older than you that you're trying to get a favor from. Right. You know, nobody ever taught you how to how to mm-hmm. be a man or a woman in this yeah. case, you know, in, in some cases. Well, yeah. How to be an adult. How to, how to be a sovereign human being. And don't assume yeah. that people are going to help you out. Don't assume that people owe you anything. Yeah, yeah. Just because your mother, you know, feels like she will always protect you and take care of you. I, I guess what I'm saying is that, mm-hmm. you know, I see that pattern of behavior. Yeah. And it really makes sense what you're saying. It's because... It's because they never had that trip to the mountaintop. Yeah. Well, it's like, you know, people often talk about, oh, what, you know, what, what a young boy needs to, to be a man, what a woman needs to be a woman. But there's something deeper going on here that's not never, never talked about. And, and what the issue really is to me about is you're in the valley, whether you're a girl or a guy boy, you're in the valley, the father takes you to the mountaintop. What he's, what he's showing at the mountaintop is critical thought right he's he's teaching you discernment right he's teaching you to question reality he's teaching you to to be to be sovereign and to exert yourself to to, to he doesn't see. carry you up the mountain yeah, you have yeah. to fucking walk you up there you gotta walk up that mountain yeah yeah yeah, yeah. 
He's, he's basically the message the father's giving that child, boy or girl, is that yes, you belong to the all, and yes, now you have discernment, you have critical thought. You don't have to believe everything that's all the illusions of life that's life life is thrown. You can question everything. You can question reality to the to, to the nth degree. There's a part of you, there's a conscience in you, which is there's a, there's a thing in you called conscience. There's a thing in you called a yeah. conscience. Yeah. And you can now trust that conscience to right. guide you. Right. You don't need to get advice from mum anymore. You don't have to get advice from the, the community anymore, the state, the right. religions, right. the brands. You don't have to get, you can, there's something in you called a conscience. Right. And you can look to that when you're confused. When, when, you're, when you're wondering how to, where to go in the world, how to react, how, how, to, how, to, how to create, how to interact and relate to the world, you have a conscience now. Right. It's yours. You know how to get you to can, the mountain. Climb it yourself. Yeah, you yeah. have this, and you can you can take this con- this thing called a conscience, and you could travel to many other mountains and many other valleys, right? And, and know how to be in time right. with that, with, with wherever you're going. You know, right. so that's the thing that's missing. It's not whether you're being more of a man, more of a woman. It's do you have a fucking conscience? Right. Are you connected to your environment? Right. Or are you just blindly like you know, just hacking your way through reality and hoping other people will get out of your way. Yeah. Or that you expect them to just crush you in the process. You know? Yeah. Extending your metaphor, Mm -hmm. I feel like probably more than half of the emails I get from people who listen to this podcast are from young people Mm -hmm. who are, who know they're stifling in the valley. Yeah but they don't know how to climb the mountain on their own and they don't have anyone to take them. Uh-huh. Right? Yeah. But they know they need to get up a yeah. mountain. They're, and so a lot of them are like, hey, I, you know, because for me, a large part of the mountain was traveling, like getting out, yeah. you know, yeah, getting me out, too. look back yeah. and where you came from and go, whoa, that's just <laughs> one place. You yeah, know? me too. A lot of that. Yeah. Yeah. But they're like, so I don't know how to do that. Like, mm. how do you do that? How, mm. like, how much money does it take? And where should I go? And, you know, what should I take? And how should I pack? And what should I? And, and I, you know, I want to tell them, like, you know, a big part of it is not knowing. Yes. Figure that shit out, you know? Get a good backpack and, and go, dude. And go. And, go, yeah. yeah, you'll end up packing three times more than you need. But, yeah. you know, just dump it when you get there or whatever. Um, <laughs> But, but it is hard. I mean, people, because, you know, we don't have these initiation rituals into adulthood. You know, we don't have the vision quest. We don't have, yeah. um, you know, as I'm sure, you know, a lot of uh, native people, they, they shed their childhood identity and yeah. they change their name. And they're, you know, when they, a boy becomes a man or a girl yeah. becomes a woman, they're a new person. Yeah. They leave all that stuff behind. And uh, we don't do that. And it, it's hard. It, you know, graduation, a bar mitzvah, eh, it's kind of a weak... Yeah, look, it, there's, it's, either, it's either very... Uh, it's very culturally mandated or it's very contrived, socially contrived. You know? Yeah, you it's get actually, your driver's license. Now you're a man. Yeah, like there's, this, there's, there's all these superficial ways we, 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 we look at it. And, yeah. 
And or we associate it, it with sex, too. It, yeah. Like, you got laid, now you're a man? I don't think so. No. I don't think that's no, I wasn't, yeah, no. the threshold. <laughs> Not actually. <laughs> <laughs> it's, you know, I think, um, you know, men, men, are, men are just so, just even in the New Age movement, in the, in the new men's movement, there's a lot of, there's a lot of contrived ideas, you know, that, that, that you have to, um, you know, like, like there's a sort of a, a, a replication of violence or a replication mm. of the warrior, right. thinking that that's actually going to um, actually transform a guy. There's something much deeper going on, you know, it's not just... If violence is all we need to, to, to be transformed, then, then why aren't all these gangs becoming men? I mean, yeah. you know. Although it's, I, it's, I would it's, argue it's, that it's those more, gangs are replacing that father figure, yeah, street gangs, yeah. right? It's a sense oh, of a, group it's, identity. Yeah, it's, it's just a state, initiation rituals. Faith, gangs, yeah, right. identification with, with the rituals, right. exactly. I mean, yeah, we're sort of like, it's amazing how needy we are of these things as men. How, how just desperately needy we are for for something to belong to. Yeah. You know, you see these guys in ISIS. I mean, the only reason ISIS exists and, and, and the, the majority of, of, you know, the terrorist faiths, you know, or, or these areas, in, these, these groups of people who are so identified with their way because they only have that because all they had outside it was just complete chaos. Yeah. Completely subject to, to complete unknown factors. In right. right. And so as soon as I get a bond, as soon as I get the chance to bond and to become a part of something, oh man, they're all in. And I don't give a fuck who they have to blow up or shoot or, or decapitate in their process. As long as they belong right. to something, that's all they care about under, yeah. fundamentally. And I don't care really what the doctrine is. Yeah how fucking degraded it is yeah as long as they belong right. they're cool right as long as they've got orientation fucking soccer hooligans cool. it doesn't matter yeah. <laughs> soccer hooligans you know it's the same you bullshit know, it's just, yeah it's the same mechanism you just want to be part of yeah. a, a, a protective group mm. something that's going to protect me yeah. you know has got my back yeah 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 it's it's a strange it, you know, it's like so many things in the modern world. I look at it and I see this tragedy of um, subverting something that's essentially healthy and beautiful and turning it in, into something so unhealthy and ugly. Yeah. You know, because the appetites that we're talking about, this appetite to be part of a group that's got your back and you've got theirs mm. and, you know... Do you know Sebastian Junger, the writer? He wrote The Perfect Storm, oh, and yeah. he wrote a book called War. He did a documentary yeah. where he was embedded with Marines in Afghanistan, and he was with them for like three months. Right. He's an interesting guy. Like, talk about, you'd actually probably find his work interesting because he's very, very keyed into this question of what is a man, what's a healthy right. orientation right. toward right. the world, and all this. <laughs> and he gravitates toward... Um, you know, men who are doing difficult jobs and uh, dangerous jobs. And so he got into uh, war correspondence and mm -hmm. journalism. Anyway, it, in an interview I heard with him, he was talking about um, 
these guys in Afghanistan, they were in this, they were at the point of this valley and they were getting, they were at the bottom, they were in the valley. So the, the Taliban was shooting down at them from the mountains, you know, and they're just mm-hmm. getting attacked every day. Mm-hmm. And they had to just maintain this base there. And uh, they had the highest casualty rate of any uh, American, uh, you know, group in Afghanistan. It was just a total shitstorm. And, um, you know, the interviewer said to him, like, well, but these are like dudes from Texas and Nebraska. They're like, they, they're not thinking about international pipelines and, you know, strategic importance of Afghanistan and you know, global geopolitics. What the, why do they do this? You know, why are they? Mm-hmm. And Junger said, they do it for love. Mm-hmm. Like they're out there risking their lives because of the guy next to them. Yeah. And they're, they love that guy. Mm-hmm. And in normal life, when they get back home, they might never see that guy again because normally, like, that's not my kind of guy. That's not, you know, mm-hmm. we wouldn't hang out, whatever. But we're here in this together. We're in the, going through this incredible experience together. I know he'll risk his life for me, and I'll risk my life for him, and that's why I'm here. And who's shooting at us? It doesn't even fucking matter. Mm-hmm. You know, and we're shooting at them and we're trying to kill them, Mm -hmm. but we're doing it for love. And I'm thinking like, fuck, this human capacity for love, which is so deeply defining of us as a species. Mm. These institutions you're talking about, including corporations these days, Mm -hmm. take that and re-harness it. Yeah, they'll repurpose it. Repurpose it for destruction of other people and destruction of ourselves. Yeah. And it's just like, fuck, man, (laughs) fuck, you know? Yeah, what a joke, right? Yeah, it's like taking a a dog who's got this instinct to protect you, Mm -hmm. you know, and and turning it into a fighting dog so you can make some money from it, you know? Yeah, that's a really good analogy. I like that. What a horrible thing, you know? This this dog is just one, just, you know, by nature, just wants to help. Yeah. And you're you're using it to fuck shit up. It's Yeah, well, a dog has a natural aggressive nature. But you've now perverted. But it's it into pr- protective. You, you've you've perverted it into something. Yeah. F- f- for what it's not designed for. Yeah. yeah. Men are naturally aggressive. This is a lot of, another thing I talked a lot of to, to, to my guys about. It's like there's a massive notion out there that that aggression, that, that male aggression, is bad, just outright bad. Right. Right. And men have bottled their aggression up to such a degree where it now is bad. <laughs> and that yeah. really is bad. It's toxic. Like now it's toxic. Yeah. yeah. Pure aggression is natural. Right. It's the only, it, when you see a, when you see a, a seedling sprouting in the, in the cracks of a concrete. Right. And that seedling starts to grow and it just get bigger and bigger. And finally it gets so big, it cracks that concrete apart and it grows into a fucking big tree. That's aggression. Right. That's, I know the, the hippies not going to like this, but it's like that, that tree is aggressive. That tree is going for the sun right. and it's going to split concrete to get there. Right. The human sperm, if you look at a sperm under the microscope, it's not some, it's not Ringo Starr, you know, like, like hanging around 
<laughs> okay, there's the, there's the extract quote from this. The, the, the sperm is not Ringo Starr. No. But Ringo Starr was it's, once a sperm. I know, you know, right? Exactly. No, your sperm is more like Genghis Khan than Ringo, Ringo Starr. <laughs> the, the yeah. Sperm. Ringo Starr. Where did that come from? I don't know. I just came it's out of my genius. The man. Dalai Lama. <laughs> Sperm is not sitting on some fucking mountaintop meditating. Oh, no. It's out there busting shit up. It's, Where's that egg? It's it's at the most aggressive point in its journey. <laughs> it's, it's to get to that egg. It's got to like it's got to fight, man. Yeah. And if, and if there's other sperm in the way, forget yeah. it. That that that's that's a fight. Yeah. Those sperm actually go head to head and fight. Kick ass Just sperm. Just the stronger the, the stronger genetics of the sperm wins. If there's two sperm in a, in a, in a mm. vaginal canal, there are, there's always more than one. There are hundred million sperm cells in an no, ejaculate. No, I'm saying if there's, if there's if there's two from two from men. Oh, oh, oh! They fight. I, I know all about sperm war, man. That's, <laughs> right, that's sperm my wars. gig. Sure. That was like that was a great thing though. And that guy was like, "Wow, that's, that explains a lot." But on the journey to that egg, that sperm is is going through su- is, is 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 in such an aggressive mode. Yeah. Now, this being comes out, the, comes out, you know, that, that sperm makes that egg out of all those other millions of sperms. Finally, that one guy gets to impregnate the egg. That one dude. Yeah. He's the Genghis Khan of all the other sperms, basically. He got to that egg. That egg turns into a human being. That human being comes out. That aggression doesn't stop. It continues on. He's now penetrating another dimension as he comes into the world. He's, he's now expanding and, and moving through the world and trying to expand and penetrate right. penetrate reality itself. Crack so, some fucking concrete. Crack some concrete, right? Yeah. And so we, we create, we, we, we are in a, a world of, 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 of we're naturally aggressive. We, we, we have that in us. Well, aggression, the way you're defining it, which I think is totally accurate, mm-hmm. is just... Uh, intentional directed change yeah it, right it, it's, it's not it's expansion basically it's not destructive necessarily it can be aggression can be totally constructive absolutely yeah, yeah. i mean you might be destroying some fucking concrete but you're making a tree you know you, yeah yeah you know there's if it's done in, if it's done with intention and intelligence it doesn't have to be destructive well at here's all. the deal is if, if it's done with conscience yeah and that's the missing piece when we don't have conscience if we haven't been taken out of that valley and to, and to see the world as it is and to and to and to be gifted with this thing called conscience that you have a sovereign nature you have a sovereign conscience that you can take with you and it will guide you mm. it'll guide your ingression it'll guide your right. output it'll guide what you create in the world it'll make you think before you go and construct that next coal fire plant the actual implication of the, to- the total right you know it- it'll give you a conscience and so when this conscience is missing that's when we start f- that aggression turns to violence it turns to belligerence it turns to something that's very toxic, yeah. very, very destructive. So it's not the aggression we want to get rid of. Right. You get rid of that, you're going to create even more right. aggression. Like you right. can't get rid of that shit. Yeah. You just can make it more toxic. 
yeah. it just becomes more toxic or not. Well, there's no so, reason to get rid of it. It's like getting rid of wind. Like, why do you want to get rid of wind? It's like getting man? rid of the na- nature itself. Yeah. Yeah. People talk about testosterone as if you know, and there's a parallel, obviously, yeah. with aggression. Yeah. You talk about testosterone as if it's a poison, and you know. I know, right? Yeah, men have to. We have to lower our testosterone. Oh, the, and, the, oh that room's full of testosterone. Oh my god. Yeah. Like, oh, oh, testosterone, testosterone poison. Like, yeah. You yeah. better be fucking thankful that's there, girl. Like, seriously? Yeah. Well, <laughs> when your testosterone uh, drops, y- your pleasure in life drops. Your right. ability to your, love, to f- taste, to... D- everything drops. Everything drops. Everything drops. <laughs> your butt... <laughs> everything drops. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So it's, yeah, too much can, can, be, uh, can be harmful or toxic or whatever, but, but look, not it, enough but, is but here's a problem. This, what's too much? Yeah. What's too much? The clinical trials of testosterone levels in men over the past 60 years has every 10 years been declining radically. Yeah. They actually have to reset the national standard every 10 years. They're adjusting, readjusting normal. Readjusting normal. normal. <laughs> yeah. Because normal back 50 years ago was way bigger than yeah. normal is today. Yeah. Testosterone levels. And, and there, is a, there, is a, there is a flat out attack against testosterone coming from, and, it, and it, it, you know, it almost seems intentional because it's so ubiquitous, mm. but it, but it's but it is. We are creating that we're in a world that that really is dealing with who has an aversion to aggression. Right. We need to limit the plastics in our food, the politics in our schools, the the you know the the the, the mandates of the brand of church, state, and brand. It's like don't have aggression be passive mm. be really fucking passive right just Stay shut up belly, and do what you're passive. told and yeah. we will you know we'll take care of business right so how how does this start what's what's your story what's your uh, how, how do you become this guy <laughs> that's a good question so to keep it in line with what we're talking about um I came to a point in my life, a really radical point, which I had to make a choice between do I just go down the path of my environment and my conditioning or do I go for something higher? So, so when I was um, in my late teens, early 20s, I left, left home early. This is Melbourne, mm-hmm. pre-gentrified Melbourne, so it mm-hmm. looks a bit more like old working class England. Mm-hmm. Or, or, you know, like I can imagine what Ireland, some of those... Sort of like Milltowns, kind of bleak, sort of red bricks, sort of, you know, like yeah. old school colonist, colonist. Sort of. what, what was going on in Melbourne then? Because it now it's like San Francisco. It's all bohemian yeah, yeah, it's all and cafes. Cool. And Back then, Melbourne was full of breweries uh, that had just closed down because oh. their business went overseas. Oh, really? So there was full of these big factories. We brew a lot of beer in Melbourne. Melbourne's a, Australia in general is a fucking drinking culture, but Melbourne yeah. especially. So we had breweries everywhere, and they all closed down these huge, big, big, um, big areas, like massive, big factories with these big vats mm. where they would just brew beer and hops, you know, all these things. So they all closed down. So I basically got out of home. I was, I was living in a very bourgeois suburb, and I was really over the fucking, you know, I was the, I was the classic. You know, just rich kid gone fucking, not a rich kid, just middle class, dis- disenfranchised middle class kid. Was your dad at home? 
Uh, no, he was very absent. Dad was very absent. But your parents were, were still married? Uh, divorced. Oh, divorced, okay. Yeah, you know, the right. classic divorce. Right. You know, dad off with his secretary, mum going crazy, me trying to hold it all together. You right. know, that's right. where it all started for me, so. You have siblings? It's one sister. Young, young, younger? Young sister. Anyway, so they became my home. Those breweries became my home. Those industrial places became my home. So you I went lived out. in them. I basically went and lived and squatted oh, really? in whatever factory was available. Oh. And this was there was a lot of people doing that back back then. There was a lot of it was we were like these street urchin rats that would just we'd go around terrorizing the neighborhood on our Vespers, our little broken down <laughs> like Vespers. The who? Quadrophenia. Like it was very quadrophenia, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, it was very much like that. Very, very punk, very anarchist. So a lot, lot of anarchist doctrines floating around, a lot of books around anarchy. So that, this is what, 70s, 80s? This is like, this is late 80s. Late 80s. Yeah. This is all through the 80s. And Listening to a lot 80s. of Midnight Oil? Yeah, there's the oil, you know, the Australiana, yeah, the Midnight Oil, Divinals, you know, all this sort of stuff. I really didn't listen to that. I was, I was listening to punk music. That uh, was my thing, you know. Right. And um, did you drop out of school? Uh, yeah, I dropped out of school to be to be in a band, <laughs> to be play music basically. Are you a musician? Uh, well, yeah, yeah. I was much more active back then. Yeah, I was a bass player, mm. singer. You know, did you know thousand RPM head banging yeah. style. You know, um, but basically we 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 lived in this sort of quasi reality um, where. You know, the people I, the tribe I belonged to questioned everything. We were, that was our trip. We would question everything. Anarchy became a, 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 a very, it wasn't just like throwing bricks through windows. It was a, it was a, it was a mindset. It was a way to, 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 to deconstruct reality. Um, it wasn't necessarily constructive, but it was definitely deconstructive. Mm. So that, that's where I started. Um, you know, that, and there's a long story that goes along with that, but, but, let's to, but just to get to the chase is that at some point I realized that not only was I deconstructing reality, but I was deconstructing myself in a really unhealthy way. And everyone around me was disintegrating. Mm. And there was a lot of heroin coming into Melbourne at the time, mm. you know, that, that the Asians would bring in a lot of heroin and it was very unregulated and very cheap. Right. So you get you get these $50 hits that were like some, some weeks it was like very pure another week it was like half mixed so a lot of overdoses friends everywhere dying yeah. all my friends were dying of overdoses so here I am living in these squalor like, the, like a rat in these old sort of rusty burnt out right breweries with a, with a roof had basically burnt down and fallen in and you know, rats now, now we've gone everywhere. from quadrophenia to train spotting yeah now we're translated to people dying you know, yeah. it's people we're, we're hanging out with they're dying on, on overdoses and you oh, know, Jesus it's a shitty fucking situation but the only thing that got me through it was my music I actually didn't shoot up everyone around me was shooting up it was like in my face every, every direction I looked it was in my face mm. the local uh the Great Britain Hotel in Richmond was the local sort of like, the guy who ran the hotel was also a big dealer. So everyone go, would go to this hotel, all the punk bands would play there, upstairs you'd go and get your hit. I mean, it was just a fucking operation. It was like, mm. it was, I mean, it would make a great movie if I could actually make it into a movie. But anyway, at one point I got to, I went to one of his, um, another house who he had an affiliation with who, I knew was supplying heroin. 
and I had 50 bucks in my pocket and I was like, fuck it, what's all the big deal about? I should just go and try it. Everyone else is doing it, you know. Had you smoked it? Nothing, no. Nothing. I, had a, I, I was smoking a bit of pot. Right. You know, that was about it. I was, I was all about my music, my art. That's how I got off, was sex and drug, sex and music. Yeah. You know, the drug piece was more, I was actually, I was actually more mushrooms back in those days. We used to go off in the mountains and do mushrooms. That was my sort of drug outlet. But anyway, I went to this door of this house. I had 50 bucks in my pocket. And I was, it was a, I remember it was a rainy night. It was a cold, miserable, rainy night in Melbourne. And I remember this door somewhere in East Sakilda. And uh, I walked up to the door and I was just about to knock on the door. I, was, I had my hand up, about to knock, and I just stood there in, sort of, in this sort of par paralysis. Like, I just went a bit sort of catatonic, slightly catatonic. And I had this very clear vision of me in five, ten years' time, completely fucked up, completely emaciated, like, like all these other ghosts that I see around Melbourne who are also on heroin, who I was sort of like keeping out of my reality. They were sort of like, I was just keeping them out of my vision. But they were all around me, ghosts, hungry ghosts. Dudes who were just f women, men, boys, girls, fucked up on heroin. But I just blocked them out of my mind. I was about to knock on that door and they became me mm. 10 years, five, 10 years from now. I saw me mm. as that person, completely emaciated, a ghost, just a ghost of a human being. And it frightened me. I was like, fuck. It was such a vivid, it was such a vivid wake up. And I didn't knock on the door. I had to put the money back in my pocket. I didn't knock on the door. I, I walked away. And if I had, a, if that knuckle had a touched that wood, if I had have knocked, the door would have opened and that would have been it. There wouldn't have been any turning back at that point. Cause right. I would have been just totally like, yeah, whatever, you know. Right. I wouldn't have had any conscience, conscience. Right before, uh, after that door opened, that would have been gone. It would have been replaced with something else. So I left. And not only did I leave, I packed up all my music gear. I sold up, because the only thing I owned back then was amplifiers and bass guitars. Right. Everything else was just in a pack, <laughs> in my yeah. backpack. I, I sold all my gear, I had a few thousand bucks from it, because all my money went into music gear. So I sold that shit, I bought a backpack, and good pair of shoes and an airplane ticket to Thailand. And I disappeared. No one saw me for about four years. Mm. I completely disappeared off the face and of the And that was right after that, uh, the moment of not knocking. Yeah, yeah. pretty much in, in, the, in, the, in the few weeks after. How old were you? Um, 20s, early 20s. Yeah. 23, yeah. 22, 23, some of this. That was interesting. So you were at a crossroads and you knew it. You, you were yeah. aware maybe maybe the mushrooms might have helped out a little yeah, with that. You know? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> You're going to abuse actually, the drug. Uh, actually, what I do attribute it to is um, a mentor. Oh. A mentor. Um, a man by the name of John Ratcliffe, who right next door, pretty much just over, the, just a little bit away from the den of sin, where this guy was selling heroin and everyone was just, just destroying themselves. Just over the way from there was a Chinese medicine clinic run by a guy called John Ratcliffe. 
Now John was uh, ex-military. He, he, he would teach unarmed combat to the to the to the to the army. He was a Chinese doctor. He was he was a man who had uh, beautiful. Huh? Yeah, red-tailed hawk. Yeah, beautiful. Just, just flew by the window. Yeah. He um, John was John was like this. He was a killer and a healer. He had both. And so he's, his father had it was in the war in the in the he'd escaped from the Germans three got and got escaped three got he escaped twice and made it the third time and each time he killed Germans barehanded on his way out like to, to escape this German camps. camp um, and so he had that in his blood he was a, he's, a, he's a this guy's a fucking killer you know he's he's a, he's he's a brutal he had no qualms in destroying you an instant without any hesitation and on the other hand he's he will he's completely committed to healing people yeah. like and he, and, and he he was the guy that all the fuck-ups in Melbourne went to all the young fuck-ups went to 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 find some sort of light some sort of mm. some sort of hope some sort of insight into what's outside of this you know fucked up reality we're all, all living in and I basically worked for him for free. He, he took me under his wing and, and taught me Chinese medicine, mm. the old school way. Like I would sweep up and clean his cups and just set up his clinic and then he would do the work and then he t would teach me things and along the way. So that was happening alongside. Because in my anarchic teachings, uh, in my readings of anarchy and all the scripts that I was reading around anarchy and these, these philosophies and stuff, um, I also came across Taoism, mm -hmm. which is a bit like anarchy, in a sense. Mm -hmm. it's, it's like it's anarchy with. Uh, <laughs> That's interesting. I never thought of it's, it. It's actually like the yeah. true the true essence of Taoism is responsible anarchy. Yeah, self-responsible yeah. anarchy, where law yeah. you transcend human law. Yeah, you tap into a higher law, right? Which is natural law, and and he introduced me to that. John introduced me to a higher. In, in, in hermetic science, they call it using the higher against the lower. So instead of reacting against the law, which is what anarchists are so good at doing, I found a higher law, one that had actually, it was aligned to something much greater than, than man's law or, or, or the state law, you know, or the law of the brand. Something was just transcended all that shit. And, and he introduced me to that and that basically, that's how, that's why I went to Thailand, that's why I went to Asia, mm. to just continue that, that, um, that journey. So fuck, dude, that was a long, that's my little journey, that's how it all started. No, that's great. And, and it's, you know, the John Radcliffe's of the world are so important. Man, I'd be, I'd be a really fucked up human being if it wasn't for that man. Yeah. I really would. No, I tell him that often, he, and he's like, oh, yeah, whatever. And I was like, no, dude. Are you still in touch with him? Yeah, yeah, he's oh. my best friend. Oh, that's great. He's my closest friend. We went to that's Africa great. together last year and had a wild time. Um, yeah, I, I have my, my, a deep love for the man. Like, like, you know, fantastic human being. Yeah. 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 But also, you know, there have been guys like that and, and women like that in my life as well who sort of were there at a crucial moment and sort of, you know, played a really important role. And, um, yeah, I always felt so much gratitude toward them. Uh, but then as I've gotten older, 
uh, and sometimes I find the role switching <laughs> and, uh, and I realize how much they get out of it. Hmm. You know what I mean? A guy, I mean, I don't know anything about John except for what you just told me, but to have a young guy like you passionate about what he had to offer, willing to hang out and sweep up the floor and clean the cups and mm -hmm. do whatever just to be around and pick up some scraps of knowledge and, mm -hmm. you know, some insight that enriches his life too. Oh man. He, you, know? you know? Yeah, exactly. It's, it's a, it's a beautiful yeah, exchange. Absolutely. And when I was young, I always felt like it was only going in my direction. Right. right. You know, and as I've gotten older, I, I've yeah. started to appreciate how cool it is when I meet some young person, and one of the reasons I do this podcast, a lot of people are listening to yeah, it, yeah. you know, as you and I were talking about last night, mm -hmm. are they're, they're really cool young people who are trying to figure shit out, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and I fucking admire that. Mm -hmm. and, and being in their presence is an honor for an older person because yeah, it's nourishing, yeah. you know? It's, uh, it's, so it works both ways. It's a really cool thing. Dude. So I'm sure you've brought a lot into his Abs life absolutely. as well. Absolutely. I'm he must be happy to see the, the yeah. path your life has taken. Yeah. Considering yeah. where it was going. I mean, I mean, that's the only reason I do the work I do with men. Right. You know, like, um, so there's a tradition. What that one man passed on to me and look, and subsequent men, you know, it's not just John, there's, there's been a couple of other, you know, there's been a, quite a few other mentors along the way. Uh, who fucking really given me a good whack an orientation so okay mm. so once here's some reality for you dude like let's look at it you know let's yeah. take take me to the, they took me to the top of the mountain and say right. hey who are you right where's your conscience here's the world who are you yeah. you know i've had a few mentors post john do that for me um but john was definitely the first so tell me about Thailand. You're in your early 20s. You're coming out of this punk, you know, the squatter scene. You fly into Bangkok. What Dude, the hell I, do you I remember, do? I remember this young kid, you know, this young punk. First time I'd been on an airplane. First time I'd been in a different country. I just remember that. I can remember the the smell, the, the, the humidity of Thailand. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Getting out of Bangkok airport back yeah, there. And it was yeah. really, there wasn't the... Bangkok's changed a lot since then. I mean, yeah. back then there was a lot of just, it was just, you get out of the airport and you're, you're immediately in a friggin' in like this ramshackle sort of market with yeah. stinky fish. And stinky. <laughs> I, I love Bangkok. Oh, yeah, man. I love it. It's insane. Yeah, it is it's insane. A fucking mess. So what year? The first time I went to Bangkok was like 87, 88, something oh, yeah. like well, that. Well, it was early 90s. It was like 91, 92. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, it's very vague. I mean, so did you go to Khao San Road? Get a get a little room on Kalsan Road. Oh, dude, I, maybe <laughs> I you can't know, remember the name. You know, the, well, that, that's the famous backpacker oh, scene really? in Bangkok. Right, you right. know, like now it's now it's all glitzy and right. cheap, But back then, it was just this one road. Yeah, yeah. Near I'm, the I'm river. Sure, I, I'm sure, I'm sure I went there. Goes, yeah. I'm absolutely sure I went there. Yeah, I ended up going up to the north into um, Chiang Mai. Yeah. Um, and you know, I, I I did some studies there. Um, you know, I, I I was doing martial art. I started you know doing some martial arts, and I started doing a lot of qigong practice and tai chi, and a lot of the internal arts. You know. How'd you finance this? Well, I <laughs> sold your well, I sold my stuff, so I had some money. Yeah. But what I had to do to stay like a number of years, I basically had to just 
work. I, I basically became, I went to one centre, I went to the Dow Garden, which is um, in Doisaket, which is this, this, back then it was actually a cool centre, it was like, it was, it was a convergence point for a lot of different teachers coming and teaching Eastern practices. Mm. It was run by a guy called Mantak Chi, which a lot of these listeners will probably know about, Mantak Chi, but it wasn't really, he was just a figurehead, but the, the, the people I learned from were other teachers who had come to the school. Because mm. I was living there, I was basically, I was basically uh, this snotty-nosed dude, kid who had nothing going for him, but I just, I was so keen that he just gave me, I actually was, became a foreman for his gardeners. Ah. And I started directing his, so Chi would tell me, I want this built and I want this changed, and I want this done, and I would, and he'd, and, and he'd draw a plan, a really loose plan on paper, he'd give it to me and I'd basically go and direct the gardeners in my, mm. you know, and, and, and basically in my, not even being able to speak Thai, I don't even know how I did it, but somehow I got them to do this and that and the other. And back then there was no garden, there was just grass and, and dirt. Mm. You know, and now if you go to the Dow Garden, it's this huge jungle, basically. It's this amazing place that's been mm. grown. So I was part of creating that. I was, I was the little snotty-nosed kid who was right. part of just a little small part of creating that, you know. Um, and and I, I basically stayed there for, for a couple of years, two or three years, two and a half years maybe, and studied with a lot of different dudes. Um, one guy by the name of David, David Vadesi and, and, and Felix and Reynold and... Um, Wan Lee, all these really cool characters that would come in the school and just have some really pearls of wisdom, which mm. just really changed how I thought about myself in the world. And these are all martial arts oriented? Yeah, martial arts and Qigong oriented. Qi, explain to me, Qigong, I know Qi is the, the life force and mm -hmm. so it's controlling life force, but it's also, it's a martial art, but it's a healing technique. It, what is Qigong? Qigong is, is the art and science of coming home to the currents that move through and in you. Right. Through you and, and within, through, through you, not just, not just collect, not just isolated within you, but through you and in nature. Right. Qigong is a science of, an art and science of, of connecting with that. Right. The flow of, the flow of the current that flows through you and all of nature. It's like, you know, it's all, a, it's where, you know, I'm sure George Lucas got a lot of his content from, you know, when mm. he wrote Star Wars. And right. It's, it's definitely got, you know, it really is, there's the unseen that drive that that art that animates us through the yeah. world and and it's the science of of making the unseen seen and 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 becoming masterful with that in in the way you move and eat and have sex and fight and think and i saw a video uh some tv show they were doing a documentary about qigong and they had some qigong master who's trying to demonstrate these invisible energies yeah and he crumpled up a newspaper yeah, and put John it Chang. on the floor. Yeah. You know about this? Yeah, John Chang. I met people like that, yeah. And without touching it, just mm -hmm. sort of had his hands over it and it burst into flames. Mm -hmm. so I've seen that firsthand. That's real. That's real, dude. You've seen that I've happen. I've seen that first. There's not just John Chang, there's, there's a number of people out there doing this. I've had it, I've had, I've experienced that on me, my, me physically. You felt the, the heat yeah. of, oh, the, I've, I've had, of the energy. I've had burns on me. I've had people burn me for that energy. I've had. I've had crazy experiences in that realm. Like, you know, we are just, 
we just think the world is a particular way and we see right. stuff like that we just don't want to believe it right. we just can't and we make up and there are a lot of charlatans I want to believe it there see are, that but I'm yeah. hesitant because there are a lot of charlatans there are so there. many charlatans who, who just want to cash in on it yeah yeah but it, it is real. There are, there are people out there who, who have been in the traditions for, for, for many, you know, hundreds of thousands, many hundreds or thousands of years. No one really has accurate records. Um, there's, there's the Mopai, there's, there's, the, there's the Thunder and Lightning School. There's, there's different sects of, of these people who have extraordinary abilities that have been passed down through you know, a very long history of, of, of exploration of natural science. Right. And we come along, and including Chinese medicine and acupuncture, these, these are results of very, very long, yeah. very long exploration and, and, and of, 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 you know, a scientific method of, of does this work? No. Does this work? Yes. You know, like mm. it's, this is a result of a very long standing scientific um, inquiry. Yeah. Western medicine comes along in a very short amount of time and go, now that's all quackery. We have what we, we know what it's about. In about two or three hundred years, we have we've got that we're the we're the ultimate source of knowledge in medicine and health. And people buy that bullshit and think that this old Eastern stuff is quackery. Man, they are doing stuff. They are doing stuff that we have no idea. We we can't even touch yet. And and we're getting we're getting a glimpse into it, but who the hell comes up with an acupuncture technique to turn a baby around inside the womb? A breech birth. Yeah. A couple of needles, that baby turns around. Boom. You yeah. can't do... What Western doctor is going to come up with a, a way of doing that without having to manually go in and freaking rip a woman open and turn that kid around? Like, yeah. like you know what I'm saying? It's like... Yeah. The subtlety and artistry and mastery of these sciences, we still have no, on, on, on a, the general culture of Western culture still has no idea of, of what has been achieved in that culture. And most Chinese have no idea now of what's been, what they achieved, what yeah. they truly accomplished in the, in the traditions, the Eastern traditions. Yeah. The problem is, I, I just had a guy on the podcast, Michael Shermer recently, who's a, a scientist scientist and he's famous as a skeptic yeah you know yeah. and uh we were talking about this issue and the I, I see two problems that that are obstructing our embrace of eastern medicine and mm -hmm. one is as you said there are a lot of charlatans mm -hmm. and there's no way to really tell a charlatan from a non-charlatan <laughs> you know because unless you sort of unless you you know that world yeah, really yeah, well yeah, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, you you know, there's the local acupuncture guy. Well, I don't know. Yeah. You know, he says, oh, I studied it in China and my grandfather. Yeah, okay. I don't know. I have to take <laughs> his word for it. Maybe he's just some dipshit yeah. sticking yeah. needles in people, yeah. right? Yeah. And the other problem is um, Western science is based upon understanding of mechanisms. Mm -hmm. And so... It's repeatable, right? It has to be repeatable. That's the scientific method, you know? You got a certain mm -hmm. result, I need to be able to get the same result in my lab, yeah, which means yeah. I need to know what you did and how you did it. Mm -hmm. The thing about Eastern medicine, Eastern medicine and shamanism and these other sort of ancient mm -hmm. uh, techniques is a, very rarely do does anyone know how they work. They just know they do work, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. So the guy who puts the two needles and turns the baby he doesn't mm. know how that works. He just knows, like, if you do it right, 
You know, this is well, what I learned. Here's a, here's a subtle difference. Shamanism is like that. Shamanism, a magician or a shaman isn't concerned with how it works. He just directs energy to an end result. Mm. He, lets, he lets other forces take care of how the process. Mm. Chinese medicine is a scientific method. They do understand how and why it works down to a very fine detail. Certainly the meridians and the energy flow yeah, and that but, sort but, of but, thing. But it's yeah. a science. Like they, they understand it on a yeah. very minute level. The only difference between them and modern medicine is, is the fact that they were able to utilize things that didn't require intense amount of um, uh, uh, invasive techniques. Mm. They didn't require the, 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 the bludgeoning acts sort of scapula, like they didn't require the hardcore way that Western people, Westerners approach the body. You know, right. they were much more, they, they were more aware of the body's, the body's own ability to heal itself. Mm. Western traditions don't trust the body to heal itself. Right. It's always saying, no, we'll fucking heal you. Yeah. You really can't heal yourself. Yeah. Chinese medicine is, it's, it's, it's a halfway point. Yes, you can heal yourself, but we're going to help you right. in that path to heal yourself. Right. We're going to boost that and natural only, healing yeah. process. And not only that, you're going to pay me to keep you well. Mm. If you get sick, that's on me. Mm. You don't have to pay me when you get sick. That's right. how Chinese medicine orientated, was orientated in, the, in, the, in its purest form. Really? The, the, the Chinese doctor went to the village. Yeah. His job was to keep everyone, his diet and health and everything on check, acupuncture, right. herbs, Diet, right. lifestyle. Right. He was like a, he was like the real personal development guy in the right. those days, you know. <laughs> right, right. He noticed he, like, but hey, he, your liver's getting a little. Yeah, you yeah, know, let's yeah. adjust this, and he'd look at their emotions. Yeah. He'd look at the entirety of their being. And say, yeah, yeah. you got to stop drinking too much of this, or you got to yeah. stop, you know, fucking you. You're eating too much. What's going on? Like, oh, you had upset. You know, he he understood things like emotionally, physiologically, energetically. He, he was like a a true holistic medicine guy, but but a very scientific method, not some. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't quite, I mean, it came from shamanism mm. originally. Taoism was born in shamanism, but it became, through observation and trial and error, over thousands of years, it becomes, well, this is why this happens. Mm. This is why this energy works. This, this is what happens when you do this and this and this. If anyone in the village got, village got sick, that, that doctor was on him. Right. They didn't have to pay him anymore. He would treat them until they got better, and then they would pay him when they were able to, farm and right. work the land and right. pay him in grain or whatever right. it was. Pretty cool system, right? Yeah. Now it's the other way around. Yeah, yeah. They want you to be sick because they want exactly. to take your life. The they incentive want... is to increase sickness. It's for profit, yeah. Sickness for profit, man. Yeah, it's a sickness crazy, for profit. crazy system. It's, it's you know, we... we it's, so Qigong comes out of that, that healing tradition. Yeah. It's, it's part of that understanding of the energy flow and the meridians yeah. and blockages. It's and a medicinal that. practice. It's a mm. practice of movement as medicine, as breathing, mm. as, as breath and movement as medicine. Right. Breath, uh, you know, and, and, and it had many different arms, but initially it was just how do you move? How do you breathe? How do you eat? You know, mm. how do you right. how do you think? So then from this study you moved into a Taoist um, sexuality kind of <laughs> Yeah. How did it get into the sexuality <laughs> and the tantra and all that? All right, we're gonna go there. All right, good. Well I read a book called The Tao of Sex, I think. Yeah. David Reed, is that Daniel Reed, yeah. Daniel yeah, Reed. Daniel. Yeah, yeah. Read it years ago. Health and, and longevity. 
I, I, I enjoyed the book, but the, but there was all, so I'll tell you the, what I liked. I liked the Tao. I liked the Tao uh, yeah. teachings. Uh, and I liked the stuff where uh, older men are encouraged to have sex with younger women because they'll absorb some of the energy when the women have an <laughs> orgasm. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> so I like the and, and the younger, the older women are encouraged to have sex with y- younger men because the older women will absorb the ener- yeah. Uh, energy yeah. from the young men's yeah, orgasm. Yeah. <laughs> but what I didn't like, <laughs> you know where I'm going, is the idea that... Uh, you know, men should, uh, over the age of 35 or 40 or something, should not come more than once a month because when you come, you lose all this vital energy and your life is going to get shorter. You know, you lose a year every time you come or something. Mm. If that shit were true, I would have been dead like at 36. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, that's, I'm not buying that. To me, the, mm. you know, uh, yeah, the prostate is a, is a gland, but it's also muscle and like i'm not i'm not worried about coming too much I, I, i'm not gonna worry about that oh man the age old, age old question you know yeah this but, is, I, but is, I like that other stuff i yeah. like like you Look, know provoke 10 orgasms yeah. for everyone you have all right i'm down yeah, with that yeah. sure why not look look to be honest man I, I i went into that real deep that whole school real deep yeah. and um and you know for the most part, the truth of that practice, the modern West, the modern West isn't ready for. Yeah. Man today, in his, the, the way man operates in the West today and the way he relates to himself, his body, women, reality, he hasn't got, he hasn't got the... the <laughs> He hasn't got the mind for it. Mm. You give him those practices, he will pervert it. He will change into something that's basically another very sophisticated compensating strategy. Right. That's what most men do with this practice. I've seen it. We're like, talking about Tao we're, we're or talking Tata about or, well, or the whole just we'll all put them under the same roof right. in terms of what I'm saying. Okay. They're, they're separate things actually, right. but, but right. in terms of how we perceive them as a modern in the modern culture, they're, they're sort of pretty much, they're, 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 they're put together so commonly that people don't really separate them or understand them in any different way. Mm. The whole practice of, you know, seminal retention and, right. and, um, uh, and all the tricks and techniques and all the move energy here and put this there and do this technique and do this technique and, and this breathing technique here and, and this mantra or this, you know, this um, ritual, I mean, you know, the people that really get this shit, they're not out there teaching it and getting on a bandwagon and talking about it. The people who really get it just do it and they, they enjoy the beauty of the experience. Mm. They enjoy the nourishment that it gives them. They enjoy the, the, the physical strength that the practice gives them. They enjoy the relational uh, health that the practices give them, especially when they're both, both parties are doing it, mm-hmm. working in this way. Yeah. They're not they're going, yeah, this is how, they're not enforcing techniques on others. Um, 
And that's pretty much why I sort of got out of that game because the what I was teaching, what I was teaching to men, I realized what I was doing was just empowering more compensating strategies. I was, I was empowering those men to have more sophisticated tools to try and be something that they weren't, supposedly weren't, to try and to try right. and make up for something that they didn't think they were, to, to try and fill right. a hole, right. to try and get validation for something, to, to impress the goddesses, to, to be the man, to, to be the guy who's, you know, who's so hell-bent on getting validation from the feminine, in fact, that they will completely repress their own natural instincts to be this sophisticated Taoist lover, mm. to, to please women, you know, to, to, to have this air of great, you know, secret sort of practices and man, the, the amount of new age, <laughs> I mean, it's a great, it's a great game, yeah. dude. I tell yeah. you, yeah. like Neil Strauss, yeah. if he had some of those things going on, he would have, <laughs> he could have written a whole nother book on, yeah. on how to use spiritual oh, jargon to pick up. Like it's a great the game. game part two, the game part two, you know, like yeah. the, the, the spiritual version of the game. You know, like, well, that's, that's what I should write. Dude. That, that'll be my bestseller. Oh man. Do it. Yeah. Do yeah. it. Like I'll have to like grow a ponytail and, and like, yeah. you know, <laughs> Do a lot of yoga so I can pass, get behind enemy lines. and Wear some white robe, wear, yeah. wear white clothes and yeah. burn a lot of incense. In it. Yeah. Hey, baby. Yeah. So what about, I mean, we've been and talking I, for, yeah. you know, an hour and a half now. All I right. feel like we're barely even oh, scratching the surface yeah, of this yeah. stuff. But like, so I know you've been involved with the multi-orgasmic yeah. male concept, yeah. you know. Now, let me be totally upfront with you, okay? Because yeah. people ask me about this stuff all the time. Because well, people right. think I'm some kind of sex guru <laughs> for some reason. Well, little do they know. Little do they know. You were the master. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a pro. I've got a trophy, man. Uh, but uh, my, you know, I've read a bit about it. I've I've tried some of the techniques, mm. and you know, the seminal retention and this and that, mm. and. My take on it is that what they're calling multiple male multiple orgasm is really just the experience of almost coming and not coming. Yeah, no, that's not it. It's not it. Yeah, it's not it. So there actually is orgasm without ejaculation mm. in your experience for men. There is, but it's not what you think it is. It's not what it's presented. Well, as. then it it's isn't. That's not, not how it's presented in the books. It's pre I'll tell you how it's presented yeah. in the books is like you can come five times mm -hmm. in, you know, 20 minutes mm. and not ejaculate, yeah. which sounds pretty fucking good. Mm -hmm. Like to have the woman's experience, mm -hmm. essentially. Yeah. 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 Is that what it is? <laughs> yeah. Oh man, this is such a rabbit hole. Oh, dude. See, because I think for all those I, listeners out there, I let me tell you, this is a rabbit hole. Yeah. And you've got to be prepared to think very differently. Yeah. It's like asking a question. Your experience of orgasm can never be written about in a book. If you get that through a book, it's not it. If someone describes to you what it is and how to do it, it's not it. Your experience, you, your ability to orgasm without ejaculation requires one very fundamental change in the way you relate to life. You need to be so connected with the actual omni-orgasmic nature of life 
everything outside here, we, we we're sitting in a room right now, we're looking out at trees and mountains. Everything out there is fucking. Everything out there is fucking right now. It's okay. still and peaceful right. it is out there. Um, Everything is fucking. Yeah. This planet is fucking. This whole cosmos is fucking something. Right. The big fucking bang, The man. big fucking bang. It's yeah. happening in every molecule and every meta structure there is out there. Okay. We're, we're just in that soup. Everything is fucking. Right. When fucking you, soup. I don't know if I love that image, but, but we'll, talking, we'll go yeah, with it for now. Where you've been, yeah, I know where you've been with that image. Yeah, we'll, we'll, that's, <laughs> that's right. I told you that story. That's right. I forgot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll go. We'll get there. Um, you know, look. Uh, if, if for most men, orgasm, the agendas. The, the, the agendas of orgasm are so dense and so strong that it's very hard for a man to see anything else, to feel anything else. Multiple orgasms don't come from a technique. Multiple orgasms are born from a life orientation where your mind and your heart are so open that the most subtle sensation will trigger an expansive experience, an oceanic experience Mm. that doesn't happen in the, in your dick. Right. It just doesn't fucking happen in your dick. Right. Okay. Our association with ejaculation is so strong that that's all we know. Right. When we think of orgasm, that is our conscious, our mind has the only, the only possible connection it can make is to the genital experience. To overcome that orientation is the hardest, is one of the biggest challenges facing men. It doesn't happen overnight. It happens after a long process of self-inquiry, understanding who we are, who we are in relation to nature, what nature is in relation to us, what this woman is in relation to us. Are they a being we're using? What what, what is our relationship to this woman? Is she she a part of me? Am I a part of... There's so many cosmological questions that you need yeah. to come to yeah. and answer in yourself before you can actually have an experience that comes anywhere close to having a, a, a let's say, a, 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 a true, like as my wife calls it, an omni-orgasmic experience. Right. I worked for years in that system and the system was based on a very functional mechanistic model. And most of the guys out there teaching now are teaching a very functional mechanistic model. All it does, that alone, without the appreciation for the, for the greater change that we need to go through in the way we, in the way we perceive reality, yeah. that alone is just giving more fuel to the egoic nature, more fuel right. to the compensating strategies that men right. have on what they feel like they need to be, do, and have in order to be the right. man. And the dick-centric vision of, of experience. Yeah, and that's the yeah. only that's the only thing they can relate to it through, yeah. their dick. 
Yeah. Not yeah. Their see, heart, not see, their perception, not their I, conscience. Exactly. When yeah. I say it's bullshit, I mean I'm totally cognizant of the fact that that it's my perception of what is being sold is bullshit. Absolutely. Not, yeah. Right. So it's like, yeah. oh, now you can come like a woman. You, you mm-hmm. know, you can come six times without ejaculating, and your dick stays hard, and it's amazing, mm-hmm. and you'd be staying. Mm-hmm. Like, I understand that's a very sort of westernized consumer yeah. bullshit reductionist yes. vision yeah. of mechanistic of, you know and mm-hmm. now if you're talking about uh experiencing pleasure in ways that transcend ejaculation in ways that make mm-hmm. ejaculation seem like a sort of minor physiological reaction mm-hmm. uh, you know and so redefine what do you mean by orgasm yeah, yeah. redefine as you were saying the way you experience reality mm-hmm. your relationship with that woman what is pleasure then fuck yeah i'm totally yeah. totally down with that yeah. there's no question I mean, about it you've experienced orgasm without ejaculation yeah you've had you've had experiences with certain Drugs, right? You've had you've had drug experience. You've yeah, had yeah. you've had musical experiences. Sure. Ecstatic, ecstatic, transcendent you've, you've, moments. You've had ecstatic, of transcendent yeah. moments that had nothing to do with your dick. Yeah, yeah. The sheer fact you can have sex and have that experience without ejaculating yeah. is what we're talking about. Right, right. Yeah, you get and, that, right? And honestly, yeah. You have a you have a relationship. Sure. You know what that's like. Of right? course, and and honestly, it's one of the best things about getting older. Right. From my perspective. Um, not only does a more sort of, you know, as my approach to life has matured in a way, I, I have an appreciation mm-hmm. for those things that is heightened mm-hmm. compared to just like dick spasms. <laughs> um, but also, uh, you know, because the physiological urgency mm-hmm diminishes or it has diminished for me particularly in the last five to ten mm-hmm. years you know yeah from 45 50 on it allows those you know it's kind of like um you know it's like when the moon is less bright you see more stars ah, you know yeah, it's yeah, that yeah. kind of thing right so as yeah. the the flame of that yeah. that physiological urgency has diminished mm-hmm. I see all these other things and can appreciate all these other things mm. to the point where, yeah, I mean, if, if, you know, 20 years ago, if I had sex and the woman had a bunch of orgasms and then fell asleep, I would be like, hey, you know, what about me? What the, you know, <laughs> you know, like I got ripped off or something. Yeah. Whereas now it's like, wow, that's great. And I don't even really think about it. You know, yeah, yeah. it's like, it's like the experience is shared. Right. You know, whether right. physiologically yeah, it's taking yeah, place yeah. in her yeah. and me, it's like it's all yeah. this thing we're doing. It's all together. Yeah, you, you have the benefit of maturation. You have the benefit of, of conscience. Yeah. Of insight. Yeah. The ability to recognize, ah, oh, this is what it's about. Yeah. I don't have to. There's nothing I need from anyone else to tell me how it is. This is how it is. Yeah. The, the idea, you know, men often ask me, so describe to me, how is it like to, to, to have an orgasm without ejaculation i gotta fucking know man your orgasm is yours man you no one can describe to you how it is for you we can only yeah. describe we can only you can only you can only appreciate the level of which you're surrendered to it or not right you can only appreciate the level in which it's infusing every cell in your body or not or if it's just in your mind yeah or if it's actually like you're actually having that experience like like a full body experience 
not a gen hobby experience, but a full body experience. Well, and it's only you will know that. I mean, is, if I had to define orgasm, I would I would say it's pleasure so intense that it suspends thought. Yeah, pure annihil- pure annihilation. Right. Yeah. Which, as you say, definitely get that from music. Definitely yeah. get that from you know coming around a bend when you're hiking and like holy shit, look at that. You know, yeah, yeah. wow. And it, for yeah. For a moment, you're just perception. You're not you perceiving. You're just like, wow, yeah. that, you know. So, yeah, if, yeah. if that's the kind of thing you're talking about, then you're right. The world is just out there coming, coming yeah. like crazy. It is. Yeah. And look, it's, and it's not a cerebral thing either. Like yeah. a lot of listeners like this and we go, oh, yeah, that's just, that's just fluff. That's just, that's just like, <laughs> that's just like. Back age, to the fluffers. That's new age talk. You know, oh, it's just this. Yeah. Is <laughs> Look, like I said, I cannot explain to the listener how it is for them. No one can. No man can tell another man this is exactly how it's going to feel. Right. The closest they've come is Taoists in the old scripts talking about orgasm of the eyes, orgasm of the senses, Mm. orgasm of the organs, orgasm of the bones, orgasm of the tendons. Right. Um, So not just orgasm of the cock. We're talking about orgasm of the entire vehicle. Right. Including the senses, so yeah. orgasm of the senses, right. where hearing changes, where sight becomes, you know how it is, the, or the, the synesthetic sort of experience you yeah. have on drugs. I mean, yeah. there's very similar experiences in, in orgasm. So, so, but who gives a fuck how we describe it? You've got to surrender to it. You, you can't have, you can't go in with a preconceived notion right. of how it is. That'll just expect, block it. Yeah. And expect to have that experience. Yeah. It's, it's, you're, you're dead right from the start. Yeah. You've just got to give up that. Yeah. You've got yeah. to give that grasping need to have this experience. <laughs> You've got to give up this yeah. grasping need to conserve every fucking seed yeah. that you have. All that stuff is just mental blockage. But isn't this conundrum at the heart of what you do? It, and it's also at the heart of what I do, by the way, but it, it, particularly for you, because I mean, you told me like you do these things where you, you take guys on trips, right? You take them to Africa Journey, yeah, and yeah, journeys. Yeah. Now, your message, I think, boils down to what you just said. Like, you got to give up this grasping need. You got to mm-hmm. like figure out, mm-hmm. you're not even figure out. Just, it, it's, a, it's an unthinking process. It's an yeah. unacquiring. What's one do? Yeah. What's the, there's some quote I read. I can't, I'm paraphrasing it, but it's something like knowledge is the acquisition of information and wisdom is uh, letting it go. You know, there's something like that. It's like you the, you inhale, you learn all this stuff, mm. and then you exhale. You like wisdom is the application it. of it, and then letting it go. Yeah, wisdom actually is the is, is actually when you ap- apply it to something. But and you're then, doing it unthinkingly, right? You're doing it because of who well, you are, not is, what you know. Yeah, application isn't a thought process. Application is an execution of something. Right. Right. So that's when you actually embody when when something become when it lands when right. Like I'll I'll do a lot of talk about a lot of principles with the guys I work with, but it's only when I take them through specific applications right. that they go fuck. Oh man, I get that. Right. <laughs> it just you just see it drop. You just see that person going. Oh, oh try yeah. to think about it, figure yeah. out, and then, the, then you see it. You see a person when something drops, right. you go, and they just go, fuck. Right. And they actually don't say anything. <laughs> they just go, yeah. usually they'll say, fuck. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, yeah. fuck. And then, and then they've got it. And then, but, and then but the work is a series of ex- those experiences. You know? Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, what I'm imagining the guys who come to you mm -hmm. and, and want to have these experiences, I'm imagining guys who are by nature acquisitive. Yeah. You know, they're like, they got the money to pay for this. Mm -hmm. It's not cheap to you know, yeah. fly off to Africa with you for yeah. two weeks or whatever. Yeah. Um, it's a six month program, actually, but two weeks of that is spent in Africa. Yeah. Okay, right. So that yeah. sort of, I guess, winds it up or something, or yeah. it's an important part of it. Yeah. Um, so they're, you know, they've got money. They, they're looking at this as something they're, okay, I'm going to pay for this. I'm going to get something out of it. So they're coming into it with a mindset which is necessary in a sense in this world to yeah. get them into that space. But then once they get into that space, mm -hmm. then you're trying to flip the whole mindset inside out. <laughs> sort of. <laughs> well, yeah, pretty much. Because I mean, I mean, you don't really I buy mean, look, wisdom, look, right? You don't, thing, buy you, you don't buy escape. Wisdom. Look, this, this is the big irony of it all, you know, like, like uh, The journey that I take men on, they're not paying, they're not, they're not buying the process. They're buying the result. They're buying the outcome. So, and, and unfortunately, like, like men will have a preconceived idea of what that outcome is, but when they really have the outcome, then they go, oh, wow, it's even, it's way bigger than I conceived of before. So you've just got to, you've just got to trust that and I don't accept anyone into my work. Like, like uh, the, the men that come into my work, there is a strong stipulation that they have to be ready to let go of some stuff. They have to be ready to confront some stuff, let go of some stuff, and become way bigger than they came in. You know, and that things don't happen by just being spoon-fed. You know, right. they're not. It's not an armchair experience. Right. Like the African trip isn't a five-star armchair experience. You're fucking walking on foot with animals all around you for two weeks. You're swimming in rivers with, I mean, you're, you're doing some crazy shit. I won't even go into it, but, but like you're confronted with reality. And how many of the shortly. guys have you lost? <laughs> None yet. They sign a release, I imagine. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's, it's very well, it's, the logistics are very well crafted. Like there's a lot of support. There's a lot of things that, that make sure, and, and the numbers are small, 12 people, mm. 12, 13 people. So we can manage that safely. Um, but the experience itself is that the, 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 trans, the, the, the transformational nature of that experience is, is very intact. You know, I haven't, I haven't created such a barrier between man and nature that he actually has this very television style relationship with, with nature where it's like out there. Oh, isn't that beautiful out there? Mm. It's like, no, I'm in it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm this fucking, I'm one of these animals. Right. I'm fucking walking around. The animals are smelling me. They're looking at me. I'm the fucking cage. I'm the, I'm the animal in the cage and they're looking at me. Mm. They're the ones that are free. Right. They're the ones looking at me. I'm the one in the cage. Right. Fuck. Now I'm looking at my, now I'm, I'm where I'm in a cage. The animals, that, that animal knows there's animals seven miles away that know where I'm standing right now. Mm. I can't see them, they're seven miles away, but they know I'm standing here. Yeah. You feel naked, dude. Yeah. You feel like when you really drop in, you go, and, and when you start to learn how nature, how those animals interact and the code they have, no amount of fucking warrior work is gonna get you that sensitivity. Yeah. Warrior practice 
as, as the contrived notion of warrior, I'm not talking warrior in general, but the, a lot of the contrived way men relate to the warrior way is just, it's just a very nihilistic sort of process. Just smash everything down. It's a very deconstructive process. Right. The work I do, it does have a deconstructive, a deconstructive component, a very sophisticated deconstructive component. But what's more important is what is created out of that. And what is created is a very visceral reconnection, a, re a remembrance of, of who we are, who we are in relation to the natural world. And we're not talking tree hugger shit. We're talking about a very clear understanding of, wow, I'm responsible for this. And, my, and, and the land around me, I can work in relationship with this land or separate myself from this land. And, I, and in my bones, one makes me feel like a man. One makes me feel like a child. One makes me feel like a robot, mm. like I'm in a prison. One makes me actually understand for the first time what it means to be free, to be self-responsible and to be free and to take accountability for my place in the environment as all the other animals are right now. <laughs> right. It's just, it, you know, and again, it's, 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 I'm talking intellectually, but, but the experience, you, you, like when I first went to Africa, I was changed. It changed me. I came out of that place going, wow, everything I thought was real is false. I had similar experiences in the Amazon uh, with the medicine, like similar experiences in the hills above Melbourne when I was doing mushrooms back in the day. Um, I had similar experiences when doing martial arts, you know, I had similar experiences. But the, the experience is an awareness of my, of, of, of who I am in relation to nature, what the relationship is actually about. And, and the, the level of accountability and responsibility we actually have, that we can't fall asleep. There's no time to fall asleep. There's no time to just be, you know, cradled in the, in, in the, the kid gloves of civilization. Mm. It's false. Yeah. It's actually not real. Yeah. It, it's, it's a false premise and it makes us weak. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, yeah, it's a dream. It's a dream, man. So I, 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 that's, that's what I do with the men. I, that's what I dig. You know, that's what I enjoy. You know, and just the, when you come to that level with a bunch of dudes, there's just nothing but love. Yeah. There's just nothing but pure camaraderie. There's pure understanding of who we are. Yeah. And then we come back home and then we, and then we have something to offer the world. Right. We come out of that process and we go, fuck, now I'm a king. I have something to offer this world. I'm not a beggar coming to my wife with a beggar's bowl going, oh, will you fill me up in this bullshit contrived, you know, codependent relationship? Right. You fill me up, you fill up my bowl, I'll fill up your beggar's bowl, you know? We don't go into the world looking for handouts. We don't look into the world going, oh, fuck Trump, and no, it's, you know, fuck these guys and fuck these guys, oh, the powers are with them. No, that all goes. We go, okay, what am I here to create? What is my gift? Mm. Not what I'm here to destroy, but what is what right. am I here to build? What am I here to create? What am I here to offer the world? Right. Offer my wife, offer my children, offer my brothers, offer the fucking community I live in. What am I here to What am I here to offer from a gourmet offering? Most men are like, nah, I've got a beggar's bowl. Yeah. 
please fill it up for me. Validate me. Fill it. Right. You know, I'm fucking helpless. Yeah. It's it's disempowered. It's it's deep suffering. Yeah. It's deep suffering beyond what even we can conceive. Yeah. You know, in men right now. Yeah. What you've just been saying is like a perfect summary of uh of what you're doing. So I want to wrap it up here. Dude. I think, I mean, that was really powerful. You <laughs> know, it. you notice I wasn't interrupting you for a while there. Thank you for letting me rave. I've been known to rave. And so. I've been known to interrupt. So. <laughs> right. Well, thank you for, yeah. for letting me get it out. You no, know, that was, that was really good. I find it hard to hold back sometimes, you know. Uh, you, what's your, your, you have a website. What, where should people find you? Yeah, alphaleadersalliance.com. What was that? Artful? Alpha. Oh, Alpha. Alpha. Alpha Leaders Alliance. Alliance.com. Okay. Um, yeah, that's where you're going to find access to a whole bunch of stuff I'm doing. You know, it's a work in progress, but, but you know, there's different levels you can access it. And, uh, and we go deep if, if you want to go. We'll, we'll go as deep as you want to go, basically. Mm. You know, um, yeah, it's good work. Cool. Yeah. Well, thanks for making time for this, man. Thank you, brother. I loved it. Love to talk. Thank you for hanging out. Uh, If you'd like to support the podcast and are financially able, go to patreon.com and search for Tangentially Speaking. You enter your credit card, tell them you want to give me a buck, five bucks, 20 bucks, 30 bucks, 50 bucks, 200 bucks, and then they'll just automatically ding your credit card and you don't have to think about it again. Uh, If you don't have uh, the money to do that, that's fine. Don't worry about it. Tell your friends about the podcast, write a review on iTunes, or just enjoy the podcast. It doesn't matter. I want to thank Basin and Range for that intro music. The song's called Bright Side of the Sun. And you can check them out at basinandrangeband.com. If you want to talk about the podcast, you can go to Reddit, where there are a few thousand people chatting about the podcast. Uh, I drop in and answer questions, post photos, uh, whatever. Pretty cool community there. Another forum where you can meet fellow listeners to this podcast is at t eight. No, sorry, tspeaking.boardhost.com. This has been set up by a listener to enable people to um, register and uh, their different states and countries so you can find people who live near you, get together, have a beer, smoke a bowl, eat some mushrooms, dance under the moonlight, however you celebrate these things. You'll find uh, like-minded spirits on that. It's Again, it's tspeaking.boardhost.com. And uh, if you want to get some T-shirts, we have the Civilized to Death shirts, Sex at Dawn shirts, Tangentially Speaking shirts. They're all in my mom's garage. She will get them out to you in a jiffy. Julie, my mom, is one of the most efficient people you will ever meet. So you can find those on my website. That Chris Ryan, chrisryanphd.com, tangentiallyspeaking.com, whatever. You'll find them. Just look in the store there. If you want to buy some other T-shirts from the same manufacturer, that's Shore Design T shirts they are fantastic i know i say this is an ad free podcast uh and this could be construed as an ad but sure design t-shirts have been supporting this podcast since its inception bennett who was the dude there decided he was going to support the podcast he sent me a bunch of shirts uh at an extreme discount to uh, help us out since bennett died the people who took over sure design t-shirts.com uh have decided to continue giving us the same deal that bennett gave us 
So be sure to use the discount code CTD, as in civilized to death, when you order anything from them and you'll get 20%, 20% off your entire order. That's the discount code CTD and that's at suredesigntshirts.com. Thank you to Carsey Blanton for the song you're about to hear. You can check her out at carseyblanton.com. She performed this little ditty, especially for us. Sounds like she was sitting in her garage. You can hear the birds chirping. The song is called Smoke Alarm, and it's a reminder to live now because you're going to die one day. This is for you guys, Bennett and Justin. Miss you. He said, baby, what's a big deal? Feel what you want to feel. Say what you want to say. You're going to die one day. For example, I could kiss you just because I want to. What's the difference if you turn away? I'm going to die one day. Why do you waste your time thinking about your reputation? Trying to meet an expectation, wondering what they're gonna say. When everyone you've ever known is headed for a headstone. Doesn't ask for much A little music and a soft touch Why don't you let it out to play Your heart is in a birdcage Singing in your chest You wanna shut it up but give it a rest You're gonna die one day Why do we waste our time Thinking about a reputation It's a big deal if you want to be free. Say what you want to feel. Spend the night with me. I'm gonna take you up in my arms. And if we must go down, we'll go singing to the smoke alarms. We'll dance into the ground. 